0: From the EBKV studios in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, you're listening to Brotherly Pod, the official podcast of BrotherlyPuck.com. Welcome everybody to BPW Radio. We are on Brotherly Pod, the official podcast of BrotherlyPuck.com. I'm your host, Dan the Flyer Fan. We are here to talk all the recent ongoings in the Philadelphia Flyers over the past week. For those of you who don't know, I write a column every week on BrotherlyPuck.com called Brotherly Puck Weekly. This is going to be the audio version of that show. We are going to get into all the recent events over the week. Some Not a whole lot of big news going on this week. The Flyers right now are 16-23-6. and six. They've played 45 games. Their 46th game will be tonight against the Wild. They have gone through a miserable stretch. They are uh, 1-7-2 in their last 10. And uh, in that stretch, they have lost to Tampa, Florida, Carolina, Nashville, Carolina again, Calgary, St. Louis, Washington. They beat Dallas and they just lost to New Jersey over the weekend. Just a miserable stretch of games for this team. Obviously, the sole bright spot pretty much has been Carter Hart. You can argue uh, guys like Giroux have been in there as well. But really, this has been the Carter Hart show ever since he got called up. He's played nine games now. I uh, oh, don't know if he's going anywhere. I think that's going to be the big question moving forward over the next uh, you know couple months or so. Whether uh, Stolarz and Elliott get back. What are they going to do with him? Do you put Neuwirth on waivers and say goodbye, get to the AHL, or somebody claims you? Maybe. I, For one, he's definitely earned his spot. I think it's more just a matter of making everything work under the cap. He is the only goaltender that is waiver-eligible, which makes things a little bit uh, difficult there. Obviously, the big news for the Flyers this week has been the Jordan Wheel trade. He was traded Arizona for ECHL defenseman Jacob Graves, as well as a 2019 sixth-round pick. Uh, Lots of controversy on Twitter as to what to make of that trade. A lot of people don't seem uh, thrilled, but others seem content. Uh, It really depends on your take of Jordan Wheel. I like Jordan Wheel. I think his work ethic was strong. I liked his overall play. But he never really developed offensively to carry the load for the bottom six. And that really has been a big issue for not just Jordan Wheel, but a lot of the flyers that are either currently on the team now or really in the AHL. You know, we've seen guys like Varobiev and Abi Kubel and Vecchione. You know, they really they're good players in their own right, but they really struggle to make it in the big scene in the nhl level so i think we're going to see some issues there with them coming up over the next couple months even early next season they really need to develop their full game or you're going to end up like jordan wheelo gone um jacob graves probably won't do much for this team he's an echl guy always has been 23 years of age Uh, i don't expect we're going to see him even with the phantoms anytime soon but uh that is it the flyers talked about when we opened it up, 45 games into the season. They are currently dead last in the NHL with 38 points. So uh, Ottawa and LA have 39, and Chicago has 41. So as of right now, the Flyers are on their way to uh, having the best odds for that first overall pick. Obviously, we don't want them to, but uh, if you're going to lose for Hughes, they're at least doing it right, which is good. Now, because the Flyers have been so miserable lately, there's not a whole lot of news to talk about. We went over the wheel trade. So what I did was I took to Twitter and told the fans, our listeners, to ask us questions. The first one I got is a good one because I actually want to rant about it for a little while from my friend Shaggy Black, other than Samuel Moran, who is considered an untradeable. Now, that's obviously been a hot topic lately amongst Flyers Twitter as the trade deadline draws near, it is at the end of February this year, I believe. And it's an interesting question. you know, I think if I was Chuck Fletcher, if I was a general manager and had to choose, the only players I would truly consider untradable would be Claude Giroux, Ivan Provorov, Travis Sanheim, and Carter Hart. Now, I'm here you can screaming now. Daniel, why? why would you trade? Travis Konechny, and Nolan Patrick? And the answer is, I wouldn't want to. But at the end of the day, you got to look at what's best for the team. And these are guys, these are young guys, still in their early 20s, who have all the opportunity in the world. But they're still at a point where they can go 50-50. They can break out and become a star, or they can just kind of stay what they are as a medium, uh, middle-of-the-road guy. And that is kind of where it comes into question. If you're a general manager and you throw Travis Konechny's name out there and you get an offer you can't refuse, you have to really consider that trade because it may be better for the future. I saw a post on Twitter the other day, and I forget who was said it off the top of my head, but I said that nobody's untradeable. If Toronto were to call Edmonton and say, we're going to give you John Tavares... Mitch Marner and William Nylander in exchange for McDavid, you know, they're going to take that trade. They're going to do it. Now, I'm not suggesting that Connecting or Patrick or anywhere near the level of any of the players I just mentioned, but if you really, really want to trade those guys, you got to get a good return. you got to have a return that's worth it because there's no reason just to move them. You can't move players just for moving them. And again, I think that's really kind of what On a smaller scale, the Jordan-Wheel trade ended up looking like. You know, it's just a move to move. You know, at the end of the day, is a sixth-round pick right for Jordan-Wheel? Who knows? I'm sure you can argue that he's worth a fifth. But is there a real difference at the end of the day? There's not. You know, that potential return would need to be so good that you can say, listen... Nolan Patrick may have a bright future. Travis Hennigan might have a bright future, but this is totally worth it. You know, if you can get a prospect that's, you know, maybe has a higher ceiling at this point, more of a sure thing, I would take it. But if we're going to talk trade deadline, the obvious two players right now that everybody's talking about are Wayne Simmons and Jake Voracek. Because Wayne Simmons' deal is up at the end of this year and Voracek has just become... Uh, more of a hassle than he's worth. Uh, let's start with Jake Voracek because he's obviously the one that probably has the lesser chance of getting traded at the trade deadline. He has five years left on a deal that pays him $8.25 million, which is pretty high, all things considered, um, for his play. The biggest thing I think about a team picking up Jake Voracek really comes down to what they're looking for in a player. You know, if you want a leader... A guy that's going to go out there and work hard every shift and play great hockey and not give up on plays—you probably don't want Jake Voracek because that's not what you're going to get most of the time. However, if you're a team that is already has a leadership scoring in place, uh, a team like just use Toronto for example—you know you got your Austin Matthews and John Tavares. You know, obviously they couldn't do it for cap reasons, but if you want that guy like Jake Voracek, who's just there and who's going to produce offense, you know, on a normal season, 60 points, on a good year, 80 points, they could use somebody like that. You know, most teams could use that kind of offensive production, but they need him in a lesser role as kind of the secondary scoring of the team. Now, that's where that becomes tricky when you're going to pay the guy $8 million a year, because those numbers don't add up. Which brings me to... Wayne Simmons, whose deal is up at the end of the year, he's been on one of the NHL's best value contracts for pretty much his whole career, at least during his Flyers tenure. The biggest issue there is his numbers this season. He has 13 goals and 6 assists through 45 games. He's a minus 15 with uh, 65 penalty minutes. That obviously, you look at those numbers and go, oh, that's not very good. Really because it isn't. Uh, he's on the last year of a deal that's going to pay him $3.9 million this season. And the biggest issue for the Flyers moving forward is whether or not to re-sign him. If you're not going to trade him, you've got to re-sign him. But the, he's his contract becomes even harder to figure out when he's having the season that he is. Going in, a lot of the talk over the summer was, what are you going to pay Wayne Simmons? Well, well, now the issue is, what do you pay Wayne Simmons? You know, you were going into the season, he had a rough year last year. He had uh, 24 goals and 22 assists last season, which is uh, about 10 points lower than his season before, which is lower than the season before that, which he scored 60. He had 60 points in uh, 2015-16, 54 in 2016-17. He had 46 last year, and he's currently sitting at 19 right now. So there's obviously that continued drop for him as he continues to get older uh, that seems to be the biggest issue moving forward. Is what do you do with the guy? You know, quite frankly, if I were to resign him, I would resign him for similar to what he's making now, three point nine million, for maybe two, three years. And quite frankly, the guy deserves more. And if he hits the open market, there has to be a team out there that's going to go, man. You know, he can still produce. He's a leadership guy. He's going to he's going to carry the team. He has a chance to bounce back. And they're probably going to pay him a lot more money. Than 3.9 million. Um, The biggest concern obviously comes down to his trade value, with the trade deadline coming up. Obviously, now would be a good time for him to really pick up his offense, which he just hasn't really been. But you know, you can't just fault Simmons for that. The whole team has been down offensively. This is something I've talked about on a couple podcasts now about the lack of offense coming from the whole team. When your whole team is struggling to score, it's hard to pin it on one guy. Quite frankly, the only guy that's getting anything done this season offensively is Giroux. And when you're dealing with that, when your sole point scorer is Claude Giroux and nobody else is even coming close, your whole value is rough. It's hard to trade anybody on this team right now because they're at their absolute dirt worst value. You're not going to get big money for Wayne Simmons as of right now. However, if you do wait to the trade deadline, there are going to be teams that are going to bite. There are going to be desperate teams out there. And this is something that we see every single year. You know, the teams that are going to go all in. They're going to make it. You know, whether it's Nashville or Winnipeg or Pittsburgh, Toronto, or whatever the case is, there's going to be a team out there that's going to want Wayne Simmons. And the question becomes, what's his value? And I... I don't really know what his value is right now. And I, I quite frankly, I think that's one of the harder things of all the Philadelphia Flyers. And this is something I'm going to get into a little later when I talk about Jake Voracek again, but you got teams at the deadline that are going to bite those team. Again, it desperate teams that are going to bite looking back at some of the recent trades. yeah, you, you know, Rick Nash was a good one last season. Now it was between uh, Boston and New York. The difference is New York ate the salary of Matt Bolesky, but they got a first round pick, a seventh round pick, Ryan Spooner, Matt Bolesky, and Ryan Lindgren. Um, Spooner was then later traded. Bolesky, I believe, is in the AHL now after the Rangers ate his cap. You know, Rick Nash numbers were better last year than Wayne Simmons is now, but, you know, an aging forward who isn't going to produce like he used to. Uh, The other one that came to my mind was Thomas Vanek, who was traded quite a few times at the deadline. Um, His most recent deadline trade was to... uh, Florida from Detroit for Dylan McElrath and a third round pick. McElrath has been a career AHLer defenseman, and a third round pick. That could be more what you're looking at for Wayne Simmons is probably a second or third round pick and maybe a prospect, a pretty low level, maybe a mid-tier prospect if you're lucky. Again, I think it goes back to the severity of how badly a team wants to make it, and how badly Chuck Fletcher really can make them bite. And our other viewer question this week was from Barry, who says, If Quinville doesn't want to take the job in Philly, who do you think they should look at for coach? And that's an interesting one, because I would go all in on Quinville. I would do whatever they have to do to get Quinville here. Um, If for some reason he doesn't want to, if they can't get him, for whatever reason it is, That's kind of hard. You know, maybe Todd McClellan would be my guy just because I feel like I would trust him the most in terms of his track record. Um, I think he has struggled, you know, with Edmonton, but he did do well with the San Jose team throughout uh, through the late 2000s. I think he would be the guy. You know, he did not win a cup with the Sharks. He was part of the Detroit Red Wings uh, Stanley Cup team in 2008. So he does have that kind of validity there. I think it would be hard to settle for anybody besides Q at this point. Uh, I do like Scott Gordon. I think the it has been just a really rough season for him, obviously. I don't think they, they've won... Uh, I don't even think they've won a handful of games since he's been here. But... Um, You know, obviously he's taken the bullet for this really bad team. So I would like to see him with a full year of a full season of a training camp under his belt. You know, obviously he's got this year to work things out and and figure it out and get his team uh, together. And if he is here for the long haul, I don't know what they're going to do with him. Uh, The feeling I've been getting as a fan is that they are going to roll with him in the future. Um, But hopefully Quenville is still an option. Uh, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't mind Gordon stuck around. I think if he was an assistant, I wouldn't mind if he could stick around in some way, shape, or form post uh, his head coaching tenure because he does have familiarity with a lot of the players. You know, he was the AHL head coach. He knows the guys uh, like Sanheim and Hart all the other AHL guys that have been uh, through the system recently. So I think that he could be a solid option moving forward as long as they rebuild the team around him. But again, that falls back on Chuck Fletcher's shoulders to make that team happen in front of him. The last question I want to get to is actually not a viewer question. It was a question of my own that I put on Twitter. As realistically as possible, what do you think Jake Vorchek's trade value is? And I got quite a few responses to that one of varying... Uh, seriousness and i think the one that i liked the most was from dan uh c kessel to pittsburgh which uh, for those of you forget it was phil kessel tim erickson tyler biggs who is a first round pick who is now playing in the uk and a 2016 conditional second for kasperi kapanen scott harrington who's a defenseman nick spalding who is a lower level forward a conditional first round pick and a third round pick now that does make sense you're gonna get a lot of the same things that you did from Kessel with Voracek. You know, I talked about a little earlier about the cleanliness of his game. You know, you're not going to get the pure scorer that you see with Phil Kessel, but you're going to get, numbers-wise, similar production. And I think that's an interesting one, because I wouldn't settle for anything less than a solid prospect in return. You know, this trade wasn't just straight for Kessel. There were some other pieces involved. Um, You know, Tyler Biggs was drafted in the first round, but never really made it anywhere you got a conditional second in there as well as low-level defenseman tim erickson you know i think it'd be hard to replicate a trade like that for the flyers but if you do want to single out jake voracek to a team who wants him but can't take on that cap forward um you you know, a forward like Nick Spalding, you're going to have to take on, in return, the Flyers are probably going to have to take on uh, at least a bad contract for two or three years to fill up that kind of cost for the other team. But again, if you're going to get a guy like Kasperi Kapanen, who is a pretty decent prospect uh, with the Maple Leafs now, uh, you it, it could be worth it. I would do it. I, I've Quite frankly, I think I would do just about anything to get Voracek off the team, as long as it isn't... A complete loss. And again, that goes back to the main question I asked, which is, you know, what do you think Jigs Vortex trade value is? And I don't think there's a lot of people that genuinely think about this question. If you're the Flyers, you do have a point scorer here. You got somebody who can produce offense. He just isn't very good at doing it cleanly. He's going to make the mistakes. He's going to turn the puck over. He's going to be just a complete disaster through most of it. And that makes it hard. But there are going to be teams out there that, you know, this is a good situation after the playoffs when you're a team that gets eliminated, that has a little bit of wiggle room cap-wise, and you go, man, we could have used somebody that can produce an extra couple points for us, set up a couple extra plays for us. You can go, hmm, let's go to Voracek. Because that's kind of what he's going to do. I, I talked about this in the beginning of the show about how he's not. He can't be the top guy. But if you want him as your third, fourth top forward on the team, where he can produce at his level, but he doesn't have to bear the load of being a guy they're going to count on for the other plays, that's a good thing here. Uh, here's another. Response to that from Jay: I think teams will want him and value him higher than we do. His stats, for the most part, are still there, and he's still a point per game guy. He can handle the puck going into the zone and has a physical edge when he's in his game. He really should fetch a good return if his contract wasn't so high and long, and his play wasn't so inconsistent. If he was having a Giroux-type year when he makes the best of a bad situation every night, then I think he'd have a Jamie Benn-type value. But unfortunately, he isn't. And I think that's that sums up pretty well what I've been trying to say you got a guy who on a good night can lead the team and on a bad night he's gonna blow the game for you how many games this season ended in overtime because jake voracek didn't play hard because i can think of at least two off the top of my head where they go out there and a player blows right past him at overtime like it's nothing and they score and win uh this one's from alex jake is going to get moved for a similar struggling player that needs a change of scenery i.e tarasenko but more will have to be attached to him to make the deal work I think that's another possibility. You know, we talked about the Phil Kessel trade, which was Kessel for a couple young players and a good couple uh, draft picks. But there is the other possibility of, you know, player for player and a contract for a contract. Um, Obviously, there have been rumors of Tarasenko being traded. There have been some rumors of other players in St. Louis being traded as well, just because of how bad this team, uh, how bad their team has been and how bad the Flyers have been. This could be a good partner for the Flyers if you really want to shake things up without getting too crazy. uh, I think the curious part is going to be Tarasenko's value compared to Jake. Because quite frankly, even though Jake Voracek's not having a very good season, uh, he's doing far better than uh, Tarasenko is. Voracek has 11 goals and 36 points. Tarasenko is at 14 goals and 27 points. Uh, They're relatively... Their plus-minus is relatively the same. Voracek's at a minus 17. Tarasenko's at a minus 14. And uh, Tarasenko's obviously taking far more shots on net. But again, you're dealing with two players that, in terms of just point-wise, are relatively similar. Tarasenko pretty consistently puts up 70 points. You're looking at Voracek, who hovers around that as well. If you're going to average it out, it's probably around 70. He had uh, 85 last year, 61, 55, 81, 62. So... You're going to deal with that. The main difference is Vorchek is going to rack up more assists, where Tarasenko is going to score more goals. He's got uh, two 30-goal seasons, a 40-goal season, and a 37-goal season before that. So he is down this year. He is on pace to put up his worst season to date. I think the biggest issue completing a trade like this, even though the players are similar, are their contracts. Uh... Vladimir Tarasenko has one, two, three, four years left at seven and a half million with a no trade clause. Voracek has five years left at 8.25. Uh, St. Louis is going to be the, the team itself going to struggle here. Their cap space, right now, they're a little under half a million dollars, which is going to struggle to add anybody. However, they do have some contracts coming off the books, but a lot of their bigger paid players are still here you got ryan o'reilly's at 7.5 until 2023 jane swartz is making 5.3 until 2021 uh shen brain shen 5.1 for another two years david perron's getting paid four million dollars for four more years they do have some defensemen coming off the books jay bowmeister 5.4 mills coming off the books joel edmondson 3 million coming off the books carl gunnarsson's 2.9 coming off the books so they will have a little bit of cap space as well as some big names to trade you know they could remove ryan o'reilly who they acquired over the summer and uh they they do have some options here in terms of clearing things out that could go back to again the bigger trade for the flyers this may not be a piece for piece trade this could be multiple piece trade heck Brain shen he could end up back up in uh, philadelphia just to really stick it Daron ron Stallon and do everything that he has done Uh, oh, let's see some other options here from sean Two water bottles and a blowtorch. <laughs> That's a good one. Uh, from Philly burner account. Realistically, a hot tub and some towels for the locker room. Eh, why not? Maybe they can updo their, update their locker room. Uh, let's see here. We got Brader who says a uh, graham cracker. Uh, sure. We got uh, Jesse James who says a uh, top six NHL bound slash ready prospect, a bad contract of a serviceable player with at least two years remaining and a conditional fifth. Uh, Again, that sounds about right. I think if we're talking a straight piece-for-piece trade where you just want to move Jake Voracek and you don't want to move other pieces with him, that would kind of be what it's going to take. You know, a a Kasperi Kapanen-type player, a bad contract uh, of a serviceable player, somebody like Nick Spaulding, and a conditional fifth, that does make sense. You know, if you want to base it off of that Kessel trade without adding all the extra draft picks, I think that could be a, a pretty solid return. Uh, Elder Takesman says a case of Tasty Cakes, which I would take. I would certainly trade Jake Voracek for a case of Tasty Cakes at this point. Uh, Most of the other uh, comments revolve around holding salary, uh, eating some of his cap hit. I'm not sure if that's the way to go here. It's going to be difficult to move him with that 8.25, but again, if you find a team that needs a scorer, then you can probably convince him to take Jake Voracek. Realistically, do I think Jake Voracek is going to get moved? Probably not. At least not until the summer. Um, I talked about this on my other podcast, the Own Be Puckcast. You can check it out uh, at Own Puck on Twitter. I talked about it a couple weeks ago about the best thing for the Flyers right now is another Mike Richards, Jeff Carter trade. You know, this current core, uh, because of those trades, have been together for seven and a half years. And quite frankly, they got to kind of make another one of those trades. I think you're probably not going to get that kind of trade out of Simmons. But somebody like Voracek, you know, if you can get a decent return for Simmons and you have Jake Voracek and you can trade him for hopefully a couple young players in the making and maybe deal somebody else, you know, if you want to get rid of Van Riemsdyk again, if you want to move, uh, you know, one of the kids that we were talking about earlier, the uh, connect knees or Patrick's you can really kind of rebuild the core of this team without taking too much out you know the prospects on the horizon of Morgan Frost and Isaac Ratcliffe and Joel Farabee. they're going to be here in the next few years Morgan Frost will probably be in the NHL next year as will Isaac Ratcliffe probably won't see Farabee for at least another year but they're going to come and you really want to make sure that the foundation of this team is set for them you know, you're already throwing Carter Hart into the fire this year. He's getting just obliterated night in and night out, and he's holding his own, but he shouldn't have to be facing the situation because the team around him is so bad. Um, the best thing you can do right now if you're the Flyers is reassess, do what you got to do with the trade deadline, which is probably Wayne Simmons. If you're lucky, you can dump somebody like Dale Weiss as well. But I think a majority of the rest of this season is gunning, is going to have to be observations. Uh, You know, I'm sure the fans don't want to hear that. People don't want to hear, oh, well, you need to observe this team. You know, these fans want action now, and they want these players move now. But quite frankly, if I was Chuck Fletcher, I would sit back and wait and then come in with a wrecking ball this summer and do what you got to do then. I think you're going to get more value for players at the draft or in the summertime, unless it's somebody like Wayne Simmons who you have to move at the trade deadline. Um to get a good return because his contract's going to be up and nobody's going to want to take on the risk of signing him in the summer you know chuck fletcher certainly has his work cut out for him it's going to be it's going to be a rough couple months for him i certainly do not envy that man right now he's got a whole lot to fix and a whole lot of angry fans he certainly has his work cut out for him. Hopefully he can turn something around. You know, like I said, I want to give the guy the benefit of the doubt that he's going to come in this summer and change things and make this team competitive for next year, making competitive for Carter Hart and the other kids that are to come up so they don't have to work through this mess like Konechny and Patrick and Sanheim are now. And uh, that's pretty much it for the very first episode of BPW Radio on Brotherly Pod. Keep an eye out for the first ever Brotherly Podcast coming out sometime in the next couple of weeks. If you want, you can follow me on Twitter at Fan. You can follow us at Brotherly_Pod. pod. You can follow the main site at BrotherlyPuck. And if you're following BrotherlyPuck, you will know that today we launched a giveaway. We are on the hunt for 1,000 followers, or to hit 1,000 followers. When we get there, we will be giving away an Eric Lindros and John LeClaire jersey, the old school black 90s jerseys. They're beautiful Head on there. The pin, uh, the tweet is pinned on the Brotherly Puck site, and we will be retweeting it quite a bit. I'm sure you've seen it already. If not, go retweet that tweet and follow us to get your chance to win. If you liked listening to this, you can go to brotherlypuck.com and get the full brand new issue, issue six of Brotherly Puck Weekly. Uh, that is up now. Issue seven will be up sometime at the end of this week. But be sure to check out the site daily for articles uploaded pretty much every day, at least every other day. And that is it for the first episode of BPW Radio. I will talk to you again next week.